Hello, I'm Kathy Shagrin. I'm Stacia Matten. And I'm Mary Osborne. Nestled among the beauty of bright green cornfields, family farms, and the gentle rolling hills of west central Illinois is the small rural community of Monmouth. Lots of famous and infamous people have lived in Monmouth. Wyatt Earp was born here. Ronald Reagan attended grade school in town while his father sold shoes at Colwell's department store. Serial killer Richard Speck called this area home for a time. And actress Gladys Gale and Congressman Montgomery Rice were born and raised right here in the Maple City too. Monmouth boasts Monmouth College and the Monmouth Zippers. It also has the distinction of being the birthplace of the women's fraternity movement. Our monthly program, which is generously sponsored by the Buchanan Center for the Arts, will feature a true tale from our past. So we invite you to sit back and listen as we learn more about the town we love. This is Prairie Tales. We think everyone would agree that 2020 has been a turkey of a year. Here's a story about a post-Thanksgiving promotion from 1958, a real turkey in its own right. Marking its 42nd anniversary in 2020, one of the most memorable Thanksgiving-themed television sitcom episodes closely parallels a historical event in Monmouth which occurred 62 years ago. Mention WKRP in Cincinnati and its fans immediately recall the 1978 episode Turkeys Away, in which 20 live turkeys were dropped from a helicopter over a shopping mall. Because turkeys can't fly, the fictional radio promotion was a fiasco, and the same could be said for the Monmouth incident. In 1958, downtown Monmouth was thriving, with more than 40 active retailers. Although the Black Friday phenomenon was still a few years away, the day after Thanksgiving was no less of a major shopping day tailor-made for promotion. Enter 30-year-old Steve Bellinger, the inventive general manager of WRAM Radio. A boy radio enthusiast, he had begun his broadcasting career at the age of 13 in his native Indianapolis. While a student at Purdue, he had written a national award-winning radio series on aviation, also a lifelong passion. What could be better, Bellinger thought, than the Thanksgiving retail promotion that made use of both radio and aviation? Actually, why not add a third hook, ultraviolet light? Thus was born the Ram Light Promotion. Between 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. on the day after Thanksgiving, an airplane would drop 6,000 certificates containing magic numbers over downtown Monmouth. These certificates would be redeemable for more than $2,000 in prizes from 41 downtown merchants. To drive shoppers into the stores, Bellinger invented the Ram Light, a wooden box containing an ultraviolet light that would reveal a number written in invisible ink, indicating whether or not it was a prize winner. Among the premiums were a $14 smoking stand, a $15 bedspread or steam iron, a $30 ladies corset or a clock radio, and the grand prize, a $100 diamond ring. Bellinger began running teaser ads in the Review Atlas and the radio a week before the drop. While it created an instant buzz among the town folk, it immediately drew the ire of police chief Vincent Romano, who ordered Bellinger to cancel the flight, citing section 3.5 of the municipal code, which prohibited, quote, the throwing, scattering, or casting of handbills, circulars, or advertising, unquote, in the city. Despite the official warning, a private plane appeared over downtown Monmouth at 10 and 11 a.m. Friday, dropping certificates. Following the 11 a.m. drop, Bellinger was arrested for violating the city ordinance. 
Four other drops scheduled for the afternoon were canceled, so station employees and Boy Scouts instead handed out certificates to shoppers on the street. Chief Romano charged that the stunt had endangered the lives of many children who ran into the streets to recover them. Mayor Donovan Vance said that after the second drop, police had to stop traffic to prevent children from getting hurt. Prior to the arrest, Deputy Sheriff Roy Hartley gathered three certificates to be used as evidence and viewed them being dropped through binoculars, although he didn't get the plane's number. Patrolman Lloyd Hillman did manage to get the number, but it turned out not to be a plane owned by Bellinger. A hearing was scheduled before Justice of the Peace David Hallam the following Friday, causing Bellinger to declare, we will challenge them to cite one instance of public endangerment happening. Bellinger was released on his own recognizance. On Saturday morning, Ram aired an editorial asking, is it possible that some city officials are using the thin shield of an almost never used city ordinance to further a personal grudge? There had allegedly been an ongoing feud between the city administration and the radio station. The following Friday morning, as the Justice of the Peace Court went into session, a plane began dropping certificates over Roseville, Oquaka, and Stronghurst. Permission to drop had been granted by those towns, Bellinger assured the public. The fact that Bellinger was in court and not personally dropping the certificates may have also worked in his favor. Meanwhile, it took several hours before a jury could be assembled, but after lunch, a panel of five men and one woman was approved by Bellinger's attorney, Art Padella, and city attorney, Fred Lauder. The first witness was Chief Romano, who testified that Bellinger had told him over the phone that he had too much invested in the campaign to drop it and asked Romano what the fine would be. Romano told him it would be between five and $200. Mayor Vance testified that he had witnessed the dropping and had picked up two certificates, marked them, and turned them over to the police. The certificates were admitted as evidence. Padella asked Vance to provide evidence that Bellinger was connected with the stunt, but all he could offer was that Romano told him about the phone conversation. Under questioning by Louder, the mayor asserted the children had run into the street as a result of the drop. David Moffat of the Review Atlas presented testimony that linked Bellinger to the promotion, stating that his printing company had been asked to create the Ramlight logo and had run Bellinger's ads in the paper. The jury adjourned and returned 10 minutes later with its verdict, not guilty. Bellinger would spend most of his career in Decatur, Illinois, as a station manager and owner, as well as an innovator. At Decatur's WDZ radio in 1977, he scrapped the station's traditional news format and hired six reporters with pocket telephones who could call their stories into a tape recorder and newscasts would be presented when the events merit. In the mid-1980s, Bellinger developed what he termed a portable radio station. Called Systemation, it was sold to more than 300 radio stations around the world from New Zealand to the Dominican Republic. The system, which sold for $30,000 to $70,000, allowed one person with a microphone to talk, play music, and play commercials from virtually anywhere. It was controlled by a keyboard and a joystick. When historian and author Jeff Rankin first wrote this story in 2018, Steve Bellinger was retired and living in Florida. My online efforts to confirm this was unsuccessful. If you have information about Mr. Bellinger that you would like to share, please email us at prairietalespodcast at gmail.com. And that, friends, is where this tale ends. Prairie Tales is a production of the Buchanan Center for the Arts in Monmouth, Illinois. 
Special thanks to Jeff Rankin for providing the content of this episode. If you enjoyed our podcast, look for more content on Instagram at Buchanan Center and on Facebook at BCA Monmouth. Email us with questions and suggestions for future episodes at prairietalespodcast at gmail.com. For Stacia Matten, I'm Mary Osborne. For Mary Osborne, I'm Kathy Shagrin. And for Kathy Shagrin, I'm Stacia Matten. Remember, not all history is found in a book. Sometimes it's found in the stories we tell. Just listen to the sound of the prairie, and you too might hear a tale.